Hey everybody, you're kicking it with the Homeboys and the Homeboys Podcast, where we talk everything in the world of real estate investing. Whether you're just getting started or a seasoned vet, we're going to give you over 40 years of combined real estate experience to help you on your investing journey. Today, we've got a very exciting topic. We are talking flipping versus renting and how you can navigate that world. But as always, I'm here with my buddy, Scotty. What's happening, buddy? Living that dream, you know. Everything good in your world? My world is good. This is a great topic. This is something that we uh, talk a lot about. You and I just watched an interesting TikTok yesterday about a guy who claims that flipping is better than long-term hold, holds. And um, he was pretty specific about there being really bad operators in the in the turnkey and property management world was his reasoning behind it. But uh, it, it it's a really good question that we get asked a lot about. I think that this is a topic that varies drastically between age groups. Hmm. And the reason why I say that is because whenever we talked about doing this topic, I went down memory lane and thought about my investing journey. I think it's important to, to mention, you know, you're not the same person that you were 20 years ago or even five years no. ago. Thicker you know. hair, taller. More, more, more muscles. Uh, You're just getting better with age, man. (laughs) You sell yourself short. But, you know, whenever I started in real estate investing, I thought flipping was like the only thing to do. I mean, that's all I did. And you you, you know my story. Mm -hmm. A lot of our listeners do too, but that's, that's how I got, I got started. So, um, you know, but it's amazing how much I've changed my mind over time. Sure. Um, It's almost... For me, it's almost completely, you know, flipped. You yeah. know, I, I believe much more um, in the the holding of real estate. I'm thinking of Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, you know, anybody can just take him. Um, but uh, you know, it, but that's not as you know. Long term plans aren't you know very sexy. They weren't sexy then, and they're definitely not sexy now, especially in the world of, you know, short form social media and all of that stuff that, you know, it's just, that's not someone, nobody wants to hear, Hey, go out and get a portfolio of 15 properties and do nothing but pay off the debt and wait to be rich. Um, which that's, that's taking it to extreme, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a very different outlook. If you, it's about getting rich quick by flipping houses and that's what they hear, you know? And so that's attractive to certain people. And then for other people, it's yeah, build wealth, long-term holds. But the truth of the matter is, is we are, we flip houses, right? You and I do because we provide our clients Have for a long time. Yeah. Six to 10 houses a month. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll tinker around once in a while with a, a traditional flip. But, um, so we flip a lot and people say, well, why don't you keep them all? And my answer is real simple. And yours is the same, which is we would, if we could keep them all, you can't keep them all because when you, when you break down a property, you can make money on a flip X number of dollars. Let's say that you could make $30,000 on a flip. Well, if you look at any of those properties we flipped and say we made $30,000 on one, which we don't make that on, on our flips, but let's just say you did what you have given up to the client is years and years of appreciation, years and years of the tenant that pays down their mortgage and years and years of profit every month, rental profit. And it's just, the numbers don't equal after like, you know, a two, after two years, basically, our properties uh, 
cross over. So all you have to do is hold it for two years and you would have made the same amount that you would have made had you just had you flipped it. But you just confused a lot of people. There's going to be a lot of people that just listen to what you just said and say, $30,000 flipping a property? What are you talking about? I watch... Uh, flip this house and Christina on the coast and um, you know there's a couple um, ladies here locally uh, with two chicks and a hammer I think it's called that show's called Good Bones um, you know and they make a lot more money than than thirty thousand dollars so what are you talking about thirty thousand dollars so if you would care to enlighten our listeners about uh, reality TV versus reality real world. Yeah, so our our average profits on a flip are under ten thousand. That's you put out almost a, a little over a hundred thousand dollars, all that risk, all that capital, all that time and work, and we end up only making about ten thousand dollars. And again, we have forty years of experience and have flipped thousands, literally thousands and thousands of homes. It is nearly impossible in most middle America markets to make large, large spreads. You can. Um, but you're taking huge risks, huge risks that are, you know, maybe you'll get lucky and, and, and make a big paycheck. But those reality shows also don't take into account all of the, the expenses, the cost of money, um, you know, the all kinds of well, expenses. Not to mention that Real you've got a, commissions sometimes aren't even on there. Yeah, you got a major network behind you, you know, one to, to show like this successful open house. You know, some of these people are like, oh, I got to get the house done because our open house day is, you know, December 15th. And if we're not ready, we're going to be screwed. I mean, yeah. there's no legitimacy to that whatsoever. One, I mean, how many real estate agents are selling at open houses, right. you know, these days anyway. And, you know, I don't know. It's just, you've got the power of a network. They can script the show however they however they, they want. Well, there's a uh, phenomenon that, that I think people need to understand too, which is if you find a foreclosure that's for sale, most of the time it will sell for more than the house that's next to it that's already done if you add in expenses, this is, I know that doesn't sound very clear. So if a foreclosure is for, is for sale at 200,000 and it needs a hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff to bring it up back to that level, the house next door will be, you could buy already done for 250. So most of the time foreclosures are selling for, if you include the expenses of, of rehabbing it for more than a normal traditional house, it's just a phenomenon out there. And I understand. It's crazy. I know. But uh, some of it is when you and your wife move into a home, you're already going to change the paint. You're already going to maybe change some of the flooring and do stuff over time. So you might as well start with a cheaper house. I think that's the mentality behind it. But there's no profit in that property. No profit. No profit. And, th and that's in most higher end areas, you know, for the, for the Midwest, anything over $300,000, good luck finding a foreclosure that, that has meat on the bone, you know, but I think your story is, is really interesting for folks because like you said, you believed in flipping. You were a hundred percent flipper. You were making great money, very successful at it, very successful at it. And 2008 happened and your whole world shifted, not by choice, but you discovered rentals by being forced into having to rent out some of your properties. It's a great story. Yeah, being young and naive and, you know, also being fortunate uh, 
to be part of a pretty unique housing market, you know, shortly after, uh, you know, 2000, you know, there was a lot of newer foreclosures. There's, you know, t- talking about the reason why there were so many newer foreclosures is an entirely different topic. But you were able to buy, you know, homes two, three, four, five years old, as you know, um, foreclosed at substantial discount in those years. And, you know, but there was still not near the meat on the bone that you see like on these reality TV shows. And I would tell everybody, you know, a bad deal, I would net 10. And a great deal, I was making 30. And those numbers don't sound that sexy, but whenever, you know, I was talking, you know, you're talking about paint and carpet, and that's it. Right. You know, I was literally able, once I started having someone else paint the house after I had, you know, learned that I wasted way too much of my time painting houses myself, once I had someone else painting the house, I was literally turning these properties in five, six days. Right. You know, so $10,000 bad deal, $30,000 good deal, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'd, I'd do anything to go back to that market now. Like, sure. I mean, it was, a, it was a very easy, easy life. And, you know, and I, I thought, wow, this is amazing. You know, I'm doing, um, you know, 10 to 20 homes a year. I'm helping other people do the exact same thing. Had, you know, quite a few clients that I was helping do the exact same thing. I was this one-man realtor-general contractor combo. I'm like, man, by the time I'm 40, I'm done, Mm -hmm. you know, and loaded. Well, I had no idea that, you know, the one of the greatest, well, actually the greatest financial crisis that we saw since uh, the Great Depression, you know, was, was getting, that train was getting ready to come barreling through every city in America. And our for sale signs um, got switched out for, for rent signs. And because nothing would sell. Mm-hmm. And that was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It changed my mindset. Um, I had this giant, uh, well, giant to me, not giant in the grand scheme of things, but, you know, you know, call it 15 to 20 homes that, that then had, had, you had to do something with them. Mm-hmm. You either beat your butcher, your price up, and there's still no guarantee of selling when you, once you butcher your price up or you put a for rent sign in the yard and collect some, you know, um, income on it just off offsets your expenses basically and you know did that kept those properties rented out um, call it I didn't really realize what I had till you got about six seven eight years into it right into holding these and you know how I kind of operated I had them all paid off right and then I'm like wow like I'm I'm sitting on millions of dollars right of assets with no, with no debt attached to it. Let me, let me pause you there. So, so what he's saying is in 2008, he had say 15 houses that were in his pipeline that he was going to be flipping. He had to pull the signs out from those yards. Couldn't sell them, put, put tenants in them, put 15 year mortgages on them and just, you know, tried to hold on for dear life as, as the world was crumbling around us in real estate. Well, fast forward to 15 years later, he looks at his portfolio of those houses that are still all rented and, and have been cash flowing all this time and paying for themselves. And he looks and he notices, oh my gosh, I own 15 houses free and clear that I was going to make $30,000 on, but instead now have 200000 plus of equity in each and every single one of those in a matter of 15 years. And he didn't do anything other than rent them out. Just sat there and, and um, had tenants, you know, 
paying down the uh, the mortgages that I had on them. You know, not to say that there aren't some small bumps along the way, but um, you know, we're very meticulous even you know today in the properties that we hold and you know good properties and good neighborhoods and you, you kind of minimize your risk by you know the the portfolio that you choose. So you know, had we not seen the um, the great you know financial crisis of the of the the Great Recession, I should say, in two thousand eight, nine, and ten, you know, I probably never would have would have seen that. You know, part of me being a flipper in the beginning too is I had to pay my bills. I decided that I was quitting my sales job. And that, you know, I was going to go into real estate full time and I had to pay my bills. So I was, I was flipping, you know, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that to people, you know, full time real estate investing. You know, we, we own companies within the world of real estate and we're into property management. We have thousands of tenants that we're responsible for. And, you know, it's a lot of stress and a lot of headaches and, you know, there's lots of moving parts. You know, I think most of our listeners are going to be people that are, have a day job, right? You know that that aren't doing this this full time. I know some of them do do it, you know, full time, yeah. but you know, to be able to plug in to a system and do this while you have your your day job, and you know, I recommend that personally, just because I know that I had to go through a lot of uh, learning lessons, bumps, sleepless nights. Um, you know, it was not easy. Right. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of work that goes into if it. If you want to talk about a smooth path to uh, financial freedom, it's it's the 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 business model or the model of keeping your day job while you build a real estate portfolio of rentals, and then the rentals work for themselves and pay themselves off. Meanwhile, you're not tapping into those rentals at all. You're just letting them cash flow and build up and build up, and then you can you can always reinvest that into more. And before you know it, you've got a portfolio of, of cash flowing properties that's paid off. Like, like what happened with Clint before, you know, it, you have millions of dollars that only cost you the down payment money for each of those houses. I mean, it's a, it, there's, we have example after example, after example of people putting out, you know, their say 200 to $300,000 and then holding rentals, you know, using that 200 to $300,000 on down payments on 10 houses. And then in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years looking at what they're worth and it's mind blowing how much it grows and they didn't do anything. I'm going to challenge you though, because you know, we are, we are students of real estate investing and other people that are, that, that talk about real estate investing, you know, and there's this whole wave of, you know, I hear you say, you know, take $300,000 by 10 houses, you know, and it turns into, you know, $4 million, $5 million, whatever, whatever it, you know, turns into. And I think, oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. But there's going to be a lot of people out there listening that say, oh, man, you got to wait 10 years for that, 15 years yeah. for that. Yeah. That, okay. First of all, you can start with, you can start with one house. So let's keep it simple. And if you want to be smart, you, you're going to need at least $20,000 to down payment on a, a good rental. Cause anything under a hundred thousand dollars out there in this world today just probably isn't worth looking at. And so if, if you have that $20,000 down payment, yeah, I, it's, yeah, you park it and you forget it. And I know that's not a get rich thing. We're not selling get rich. There's other people out there that, that will tell you how, how you do that. And most of them don't work. This is a simple business model that's been proven out for generation after generation. The, the power of owning real estate, owning real estate. Every 
everyone. There's some interesting stats. So 90% of millionaires became millionaires through real estate. I mean, technically, we can peel back back that statistic and sure they had jobs and other means, but 90% of millionaires, real estate is a portion of what, of their wealth. And if you look at the ultra wealthy, all of them have large real estate holdings. Mm -hmm. You look at anyone who's super successful, real estate is a powerful tool that we, we need this next generation and folks who aren't mega rich to get into. It's feasible for anyone out there. It truly is feasible. If you say to yourself right now, oh, I don't make enough, I'll never be able to do it, then you probably won't. However, I guarantee you there's somebody that Clint and I have helped in this business that makes less money than you and has been able to make it happen. You can do it. You just It, it takes a lot of sacrifice, a lot of work, and maybe you don't want to make those sacrifices. I, I, that's fine. I can't blame you. I'm not here to tell you what you should or shouldn't do. But it's feasible if you want it bad enough. It's just a matter of how bad you want it and what sacrifices you're willing to make. We have a guy, uh, a client who I believe he makes under 50000 I don't know positively, but I believe it's under 50000 But he has a, a side gig, and he put every penny of his uh, side gig money into account. And it only took him six years, and he had his first rental. He didn't spend a penny of his side gig money. Mm-hmm. You know, there's ways to do it. And did he sacrifice time in the evenings with his family? Yeah. You know, would, would I do that? I don't know. I, I don't know. He, I mean, that's a lot of work to get one house, but he did it. And he's well on his way to changing the entire path of his family. You know, he's going to build generational wealth with this plan, and he's letting that snowball grow. The best part is after you get that one house, you can let it grow. So you can keep all of the profits from that house and just save it and let that house work for you. And then when you get two houses, you got two houses working for you. And then when you have three houses, you have three houses literally working for you in the sense that you've got cash flow coming in from those. If you set those aside and say, I'm not spending a penny of the money that comes in off these, I'm only using it to reinvest in my next one. And before you know it, you've got a portfolio that pays for your portfolio to grow. It's crazy. Yeah, and I I couldn't agree more. But I think people, you know, want the idea of having a better life by having more disposable income. And that's a big, that's a big, you know, a big thing. And, you know, my advice to people would be, you know, I wouldn't go into real estate investing, you know, wanting, you know, this giant influx of money into your personal bank account. I think that, that people that get into it like that, when you go through a down cycle, it could, it could be problematic. Right. You know, I really think that, you know, our, bulk of our audience is going to be those people that do have a job that are doing this on the side and they're not doing it for, um, for immediate gain. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, whenever I had an aggressive pay down strategy on my portfolio and I did it in less than 10 years, paid off everything. Yeah. The cash flow is life changing yeah. at that point. I mean, it is life once it's paid off, once it's paid off. Right. But, you know, I, I believed in, I remember you starting to get those mailbox money checks from your portfolio. As a property would get paid off, your your check would get bigger each month, you know, because mm-hmm. you went from, say, two houses that were paid off out of the 15, and mm-hmm. then you went to three and four, and then towards the end there, when you had everything paid off, you'd get these giant checks every month. I remember being jealous. I was like, man, mine need to get paid off. Well, you know, 
I don't know. Good things happen to those who wait, and real estate is a is a fine example of that. I think that for me, early on in my career, you know, getting involved in the the thinking of, oh, I'm going to flip these homes and I'm going to you know make all this money. You know, I think it was it was foolish. I mean, you you do spend that money. You know, you remember whenever I was younger. You know, I had a, a car I shouldn't have had, and mm-hmm. you know, different things that um, I look back on and I, I regret. You know, but people that have a conservative plan for their real estate investing and any investing for that matter are the ones that have the best long term success. I I know there are exceptions to the rule. But I also know that most of the people that you think have done it and don't do it this flashy way, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors out there. It's not, it's not you know, what, what you see. I say it on here a lot. It's amazing what 10 years of good real estate decisions will do for you. And it doesn't have to be a lot of decisions. I'm talking 20 decisions. Right. You know, I'm not talking about a lot. You know, I'm not talking about you have to, you know, do 40 hours a week, for, you know, for uh, – you know, for 10, 15 years at all, you know, if you if you do it right, it could be very minimal time. can be almost no time in today's world just because of the concept that's really blown up in the last 10 years, last decade. We were really, really early to it. So one of our companies is a what what's called a turnkey investing company where someone does it all for you. They, re, they buy a house, they rehab it, they get it freshly rehabbed, they get it inspected. Uh, they throw a warranty on it. They put a tenant in there. They manage it for you, and then they sell it to you. So everything's done, and you hit the ground running on day one. And that concept didn't exist when Clint and I were Mm-mm. first in the business. And so there's for folks out there who don't have time or don't have any time, actually, there's a way to still build your portfolio with no effort, with experts doing it all for you. And you can do it in just about every city in America. No, not every city in America you should invest in. There's specific ones that have the best cash flows. A lot of them happen to be around us in the Midwest, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, those kinds of cities. Um, so, you know, we go around, we, we get to meet with all these different turnkey providers from other markets, and we know most of the best ones in the country. And it's amazing how successful their clients are by just letting them do it all for them. And that's a neat concept. So you don't have to spend a lot of time on this. You don't have to spend any time. You could pick up a, the phone, get on Google and start researching, um, you know, turnkey providers or reach out to us at, at the homeboys podcast.com. And uh, we, we can put you in touch with, with a lot of different providers who could take care of you if you're already at that point. But uh, my point is, is you don't have to spend a bunch of time on this. No. And yeah, it's, we we did a podcast not too long ago, and when you and I were talking about, um, I you know I'm, I'm living I'm in my 13th personal home since 2001. It's crazy, you know, 13th one, and after it, I I really hope I pray that there's not going to be a, one a 14th or a 15th right. or you know this this should be it. But we talked about my previous 12 homes, and. Like how much of a game changer like it would have been had I kept all of them. One right. of them I still do, but um, but had I kept you know all of those homes and not and not sold them, you know there's a few that are like it's it's painful to see. Right. And my, my, but my point is, 
again, good things happen to those who wait. You know, the the, the house I'm talking about. You know, I sold for four hundred and forty thousand, and literally within the next five years, it was worth a million. Right. You know, and you know exactly which house I'm talking I about. I mean, that's that's a real. But regardless example, of that, you know, all your other properties, even with normal appreciation, it still would have been better to keep them. And and so for for the average person out there that isn't full time in real estate, just consider this. Just think about this. The next time that you're going to have to move or you're looking for your next house, please just consider keeping the house you're in right now and turning it into a rental. It is the easiest way possible to get into real estate and to have your first rental. You already own it. That's the easiest part. And I know a lot of times you plan on using that equity to put down on your next prop on your on your purchase of your next one. However, if you plan ahead, start saving now a little bit and maybe do less of a down payment on your next purchase in order to make that happen, you could make it happen. It's just something to consider because you already own that house. The mortgage most likely has been already been paid down by a few years. So let the tenant move a tenant in there, have a professional property management company take it over for you so you don't have to mess with it. Have them move a tenant in there and then let that tenant pay it off for you. Then you get all the appreciation over the coming years. You got a tenant paying off your mortgage for you. And most likely you're going to be getting checks every month above and beyond what your mortgage and your, your costs are on that house. And here's another secret. Your mortgage payments staying the same on that house. It's set. You know what it is every month. Guess what rents are doing? Going up, 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 up. So year after year, you make more and more money on that property without doing anything. Oh, I mean, you especially now with rates that have gone up. I mean, if you're able to keep an investment property at this low rate. Oh, killer. You know. So, I mean, this is what the youngsters refer to as house hacking. Right. Don't sell a 2% house in order to go buy a 6% house. I don't mind you going and buying a 6% house, but keep your 2% house. That's great advice. You know, one thing, one caveat I'll throw out there, though, if you're going to do that, make sure your mortgage doesn't have an acceleration clause. Sometimes if you're not uh, living in the house that they could call your mortgage due. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, but That's most pretty of them, rare, I think. Most of them don't anymore. That was yeah. a thing 20 years ago when we got into the business. Um I mean, I haven't heard a story of that in forever, so maybe that didn't say, maybe that's not maybe that's not. I heard a mortgage broker on TikTok the other day saying, "Yeah, just quit claim your house until an LLC." Back in our day, that would oh, trigger yeah. that, that would trigger the acceleration. Yeah, clause. yeah. That's, so, you know, it's one thing that you know. I was you, shocked hearing a, a mortgage right. guy say to just no, do you just quit claim it? Oh, that I would have been scared to death. Correct. No, it was a big. That was a big yeah. thing when we first got into. Nothing like business. your mortgage company showing up on your front porch saying, "You us owe us the total mortgage today." Right, right, <laughs> that's right. So I tell you what, we're getting we're getting closer to the end here. So leave us with some final thoughts. We're talking, you know, flipping, you know, versus keeping. You know, give us some final thoughts on it. Um, we, you know, we believe in both, but uh, but kind of kind of bring this full circle for sure. us. Flipping is so much fun. It, you can make some good money doing it. It's short-term it is money. Fun, isn't it? It's fun it's as could be. Fun. I know. It's really neat. I mean, if it's something that you're passionate about, go do it. You know, don't expect what you see on the TV shows. The profit margins are not nearly as big as they pretend. Um, but it's fun. It's neat to do. It's a great way to make some extra money. It could be a side gig that you do with your kid. 
You know, how neat would that be to teach your, your, I know some guys that did that. Yeah. That, what a bonding experience that T- could be. Yeah, yeah. Teach your kids all kinds mm. of different things. Uh, not only construction things and you'll learn along the way, but also good financial uh, practices that they'll learn along the way. It can be a really neat thing. I have no problem with it. It's fun. It's neat. You can make money, but if you want to build wealth, you have to truly have to consider holding long-term rentals. I have nothing to add to that because I couldn't agree more. You know, that was that was very well said. Yeah. I'm not just tooting your own horn. That was, uh, it's true. You know, uh, flipping is fun. Yeah. You know, and I'm also into, to you know, picking out materials and interior design. You're great bit. at it. You know, I actually get into that kind of stuff, like going in and picking out stuff and paint colors and all that stuff. And it's so much fun. But you're right. I mean, you still have to have a long-term plan. You mean it's it's just it's so vital. But uh, but anyhow, so that's our show. If you made it this far, we'd really appreciate if you left us a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It really helps us to grow our podcast and reach as many people as we can to help them understand the world of real estate investing. You can also find some short form content on TikTok. Our TikTok is at homeboys podcast we really enjoyed having you it was a fun topic we can't wait to talk to you again till next time happy investing